0: Good morning. Welcome to those of you who are here uh, with us in the building this morning and to those of you who are online. uh, It's good to have all of you uh, present with us today.
1: This morning's reading uh, is from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, and starts at verse 41. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem, Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man.
2: Uh, Let's join together in prayer. Father God, we're thinking this morning about uh, the time when Jesus was lost, Lord, and so much of the world seems lost at the moment. But when we're praying about others in the world, we're conscious that we're praying to you, a God of limitless love, of limitless power a God who knows so much more than we do about those who are suffering and in need today. Lord, we pray for the situation in Afghanistan. We pray for people who are terrified, who are abandoning everything just to try and find safety. pray for countries impacted by people arriving, we pray for hope and we pray for global wisdom and leadership from those in positions of power whose power may not come anywhere near yours but do have power to make a real and tangible impact I pray that your wisdom and your love leads the decision making process And Lord, we think of natural disasters that we've seen recently in Mexico overnight, in Haiti a few days ago. Lord, again, people's lives are destroyed with next to no warning through events out outwith their control often. People left with nothing, people abandoning their homes and their livelihoods just for, to find any form of safety. Lord, we pray there again for, for safety, for hope, for restoration. And Lord, the world needs to be restored. As we were thinking about earlier with the climate change conference coming up and as those natural disasters are demonstrating, the world is lost as well. The world needs radical change. So Lord, help us see how we can make changes in our own lives, how we can demonstrate that your love extends to the planet that we're in. Lord, a powerful message that reaches out, particularly from those of us who are in this country of affluence compared to so much of the world. And Lord, finally, we think about those closer to home. We think about those who we love our friends and our family we think about other members of our church family who can't be here today people who are trapped maybe by circumstances or by ill health or something as simple as a lack of transport to come here today lord we pray that your love reaches out it reaches out to every person here it reaches out to every person watching this through their computer or their tv And your love, which surpasses all understanding, reaches out to every corner of the world. Amen.
0: Over the next few weeks, uh, we are going to be uh, thinking about growing young. Now, who doesn't want to do that? Actually, I suspect quite a lot of you wouldn't necessarily want to do that, but uh, that's what we're thinking about. A small group in the congregation have been uh, involved with uh, a a process with uh, 23 congregations uh, across uh, the Church of Scotland. Um, You may have noticed that uh, the Western uh, Church is facing um, an exodus of young people from our congregations. Most churchgoers know it uh, anecdotally, that some major research projects have analyzed the different trends that there have been uh, over uh, the last few years. Some sought to explain why um, that was happening and tried to give some direction as to what we might be able to do uh, about it and to try and reverse that trend. And, you know, congregations all over the place have tried lots of different things Now, Fuller Youth Institute uh, is a well-established center for research in America, and they do that kind of research into trends in uh, church life. And they carried out a a very large uh, research uh, program uh, that resulted in the report Growing Young. They visited around uh, 250 congregations, uh, from congregations with less than 100 people to those with more than 10,000 people. They were of different denominations, different locations, different ethnicity, and yet they shared some things in common. They were growing young, their average age was going down. We'll come to some of those things in a minute or two. But of course, that information has kept growing as more and more congregations have started to think about it and become involved in this process. And so it was published in uh, 2015 uh, and has been uh, growing since then. And, and actually, you know, we believe that there is something in this process for us um, as a denomination, but also as uh, a congregation. Instead of focusing on the aging demographic in churches, or what most churches were not doing to uh, engage with young people, the study looked at what churches were doing that was causing them to grow young, that was causing their average age to come down. Their previous major project was one that actually this congregation did some work on, and it was called Sticky Faith. And that focused on the young people and what helped them to stick with church. To stick with faith. That's why it was called Sticky Faith. Growing Young focuses on the congregations rather than the young people. What can a church do? What can we as a congregation do to help young people passionately connect with God through a faith community? The research uh, dispels myths that often you, you hear when people uh, are saying about what's wrong and why, why young people are not, uh, are not coming. Y- your congregation doesn't need to be a particular size. It doesn't need to be a particular style. It doesn't have to have a fantastic uh, lighting system with uh, you know, smoke and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to have a band. It you know, doesn't have to have all of those kind of things. It doesn't have to have an amazing building. And it doesn't have to have watered-down teaching. The project found that the churches, with proven effectiveness in engaging with young people, shared six core commitments. And there they are up there. I hope you can actually see that. See, I'm looking at a monitor up here, and it's really small. So I'll just turn right for a minute. Okay, so, and it also helps me to describe. So you can see uh, the green shades are the six issues. But there's also an outer circle and an inner circle in that. And there's also the V line that goes off to growing old. And the research says that if you're not doing these things, if you're not growing in these six areas, then the reality is, you're growing old. And it doesn't mean that you, you, you kind of follow that and, and, and it, if you're not prioritizing everywhere, you shoot off the edge. At any point, if you're not doing these things, you're growing old. But th- there are also things that each congregation might be doing as well as these. But these were the six things that all of these congregations had in common. The outer ring is context. As I said, every one of the congregations was different. Large and small, rich or poor, urban or rural, modern or old, praise band or a robed choir, and so on and so on. Everyone had a different context. And our context is different to other churches in Edinburgh. We have our community that we are called to serve, and we have to do mission in our context with the people that we have and to the community or communities that we serve. That's our context, and we have to work within it. And so we need to know what our context is. The inner ring is Jesus-centered community. In truth, you could get most of these things at the bowling club or at the knitting group. So what makes it different? What makes it different to social work? It's a Jesus-centered community. It's about sharing Jesus with people, focusing on Him and His life and His death and His resurrection. some congregations may be struggling because they don't focus on Jesus. But even congregations that do focus on Jesus are struggling. In a way, you know, that, that idea of having to focus on Jesus shouldn't really be a surprise. You know, how can we expect the church to grow if we don't ever tell anyone about Jesus? He is the way and the truth and the life. There is no route to heaven except through Him. So if we don't share Him, how can we expect growth? Of course, it's not just telling, although that is really important. It's about living it out in a way that makes a difference in our lives. Because if being a Christian makes no difference in our lives, why would anybody else bother? And so, they have the six areas. The first is, um, it's about unlocking keychain leadership. And do you know what I have over here? Oh, the excitement of it all. I was given keys to the church. Right? But that tells you something. Something. These physical keys tell you who is trusted and who isn't. There are physical keys. There are metaphorical keys in every congregation that tell you who is trusted and who isn't. And so, one of the things we have to do is learn to trust young people and by young we're talking 18 to 30 by the way so when you look at the, when you look at the average congregation in Scotland there are not many that have many in that age range but we have some and we must learn to trust them to give responsibility literal, and metaphorical. The second thing is to empathize with today's young people. It it means putting yourself in their shoes and and feeling what they feel. And, And, you know, sometimes I think, I don't understand them. I mean, I look at my own children and think, what? Where on earth did you get that? We think totally differently about everything. Well, not quite everything, but, you know, really, it's... And, and it's, it's chalk and cheese. And yet, somehow, we have to empathize with them and what they're going through. When I was growing up, it was quite straightforward. You went to school, you went to some sort of training program, or you went to, to college or university, and you got a job. But, but that doesn't happen now. And, and young people maybe can't even afford to rent somewhere. They simply can't afford to buy anything. And, you know, teenage years now, actually, they reckon, are no longer just teens. We are now up to 26 or 27 in terms of maturity. So it's totally different than even when I was growing up. I'm not that old. Young people are grappling with all sorts of huge questions. Identity, belonging, purpose. They experience often systemic abandonment due to divorce, to the self-absorbed adults around them. I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant and you see the adults on the phone completely ignoring the children. Then we have take Jesus' message seriously. The The authors of the report were struck by how in the churches that they studied... Jesus actually was more significant than the kind of theology that often we have focused on in the past. His words rang true for the young people who were hungry for life-giving direction. One uh, young person said, the goal of our church is not really effectiveness with young people, but serving and following Jesus. And young people like me are attracted to churches that want to do that. Of course, it doesn't mean that we abandon proper theology or or somehow water down the teaching. In fact, I would say we need to be more radical, more direct, more honest, acknowledging that we get it wrong, acknowledging that we've failed. It's perhaps not a thing that we've heard very often from pulpits in Scotland then it's fueling a warm community. Warm is the new cool in these congregations where authenticity triumphs over worship style or programs. Young people who participated in the research, they, they wanted congregations where they, they were welcomed, where there was a sense of belonging and acceptance, where, where people were hospitable and where they were cared for. And who doesn't want that? then prioritizing young people and families everywhere. Churches in the study revealed a disproportionate prioritization of young people. That is to say that rather than excluding older generations, what happened was life was breathed into the entire congregation. So if you're sitting there or watching online thinking, oh, it's all about these young people. Why, is it all about the young people. The research says that when you do that, when you focus and prioritize young people, everybody benefits. The whole congregation grows in terms of life and faith and number. One pastor who uh, did this work said, everyone rises when you focus on young people involving young people in every ministry has allowed these churches to thrive with authenticity and intergenerational relationship. And then, be the best neighbors. Well, we've already heard a little bit about that this morning. The authors found that in churches that were growing younger, the church community accepts the difficult task of offering young people a thoughtful path to being good neighbors locally, nationally, and internationally. They provide opportunities for young people and emerging adults to serve other people, to pursue social justice, to find their calling, to interact with culture, and to respond to the the, the moment, cultural issue. Growing young as a project offers helpful strategic ideas, but the most important thing I think is is that it identifies these ultimate questions that young people are asking and what they desperately need. It suggests there are three questions that they are most concerned about. First of all is identity. Who am I? Secondly, it's about belonging. Where do I fit in? And thirdly, it's about purpose. What difference do I make? And the response to that is uh, suggested as grace, love, and mission. These are the qualities that the church holds intrinsically and which best address the young people's painful dilemma and the quest for identity, belonging, and purpose. Of course, we all ask these questions at different stages in life, but they are especially acute for young people. And they are asking them earlier and earlier, and as I said, later and later, In our reading today, we can see that Mary and Joseph, along with their wider family, were God-centered. Of course, they couldn't be Jesus-centered because His story wasn't kind of uh, ready at that point. But they were God-centered. Every year, they did what they were supposed to do. They went to the temple. And you know, if you're here today and your children are through there, I want to encourage you. That's that's a good, positive thing to do and a great role model to set. They went to the temple when they weren't able, when they should. There was some empathy to, to the young people because they were allowed that degree of freedom to, to be with each other during the journey. Of course, it also went slightly wrong when um, it allowed them to overlook the fact that Jesus wasn't actually there. There are warm and caring relationships there. But also, nobody was really looking out for Jesus. They just assumed so much. And do you know what? Every congregation will tell you they are warm and welcoming and caring. Every congregation will tell you that. And I want to tell you it's not true. It's very easy to assume and to overlook people. What if when they had... Been in the temple, Jesus had been given the opportunity to ask his questions. What might they have learned from him and the questions that he had if they had just taken time? If they had prioritized the young people, Jesus wouldn't have been missed, he wouldn't have been left behind. Of course, it's easy to be critical, but mistakes were made because assumptions were made. And as we work through this process, we will try some things that will not work. And what I hope we will not do at that point is go, Told you so. We tried that 40 years ago, and it didn't work then. Because I have to say, that has been said to me in the past... We'll try some things. We'll give people responsibility to take things on. We'll make some decisions that some of you will not be happy about. I'm not going to apologize for that. We need to take risks. We need to allow people to grow in their life and in their faith and their walk with God. If we are genuinely concerned about the future of the congregation and the wider church, we're going to have to do things differently, with a different emphasis. But I want to stress again that the congregations that have managed these have found that it benefits everybody. If we learn to live with the priorities of grace, love, and mission, then we won't go far wrong. Amen. We have another... Now as we go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit go with you, and those whom you love, now and always. Amen.